Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey, it's GQ here, and thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Today, I have with me Chase Clymer, who's the co-founder of Electric Eye and the host of Honest E-Commerce. Chase, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It is a pleasure. And thanks, you know, it was so fun to be on your show uh, the previous time that we were chatting. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to our interview for today, where we're going to be talking about the challenge that you've mentioned about scaling an agency in a competitive market. But before we dive into that, you know, our listeners would love to hear more about Electric Eye and Honest E-Commerce. If you could give us an elevator pitch of both. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, it's weird to be on this side of the conversation because normally I can just say whatever I want and then people have to react. But (laughs) for this one, it's a little different. But I'll dive in. So yeah, my name's Chase. I'm the co-founder of Electric Eye. And through that, we saw that there wasn't a lot of content out there for young SMBs looking to kind of educate themselves and grow their businesses with online stores. We kind of pitch the, you know, Shopify a bunch, but they're just tools, whatever. So uh, Electric Eye is a full service agency. It's a custom shop and we help direct to consumer brands increase sales through strategic marketing and design decisions. Most of that, all that stuff is powered by Shopify. We're Google partners, Facebook partners, and Klaviyo partners. It's like more long-term stuff, fully custom builds, really fun relationships with like our core clients. We got a small team there and a small, awesome group of clients that we work with. The other thing that we do from that is we are constantly learning and iterating and just doing all sorts of cool stuff through Electric Eye. And I'm constantly learning all the time. The team's constantly learning. And so we take all that knowledge that we're learning and we push it out through Honesty Commerce, which is a weekly podcast where I try to... hope People let me know. But uh, I try to give them impactful, honest advice to grow their business and kind of you know, the quick backstory of honesty commerce is like all the get rich quick YouTube schemes where people are sitting in Ferraris and telling you to sell a course about selling a course. That doesn't work. I'm telling the truth. And that's kind of what the whole thing behind honesty commerce is. So uh, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell what I do. I help brands with the agencies and I help everybody with uh, the content we put out there. Very, very cool. And I love that part about the honest e-commerce, but I never knew that, but that's a good bit of trivia to understand. I know that you've been running Electric Eye for about three to four years. How did that idea first get started that, you know, like this agency idea? On accident. Completely. <laughs> okay. I've been freelancing my whole life. Essentially, you know, I was in a band. We kind of spoke about that before. The band didn't work out. And, you know, the whole time I was struggling with that, I was freelancing. I was doing photography. I was doing web design. I was doing videography. I was doing layout designs for a magazine. I, you know, anything and everything in the creative space, I was like touching and learning about. And then I started slowly getting more and more into web development and into advertising. And I kind of like dove in deep on Facebook ads about eight years ago or so. And that's about the time that my business partner left. He was at an e-commerce shop called... Not a shop. It was, it's a brand called Homage. They're a pretty big brand out of the Midwest with vintage clothing. He was the third hire there and he left. He was the brand director. And so he started freelancing and he was doing uh, his own thing. And I had been doing it for so long that he was always asking me questions about it. We had been friends for a long time. He actually helped me design the album art uh, for my band's albums. Two of them are actually behind me. Two of the artwork <laughs> behind me. You guys can't see the video, but... Uh, yeah, that's how we met is we designed album artworks together years go by and he's leaving his shop and he's freelancing and he's asking me a bunch of questions. He's doing everything wrong, but you know, or friendships there. So I'm helping him out, but you know, understand kind of how to run a business. The business of freelancing is what we were doing back then. It kind of got to the point where he was doing all these Shopify projects 
because he you know he he had learned Shopify at his old uh, e-commerce brand, and he was bringing me in to do the Facebook advertising part of it. We were like, oh, like should we like do a company or something? And he's like, no, we like both want to be independent. Blah blah. Let's like not do it. Fast forward like six months later, we have a dozen clients on retainer where we're doing this Facebook ads for these people and you know seeing some awesome that's back when you could just post garbage on Facebook and get a great return. <laughs> so it was so much fun. We were just like making these people so much money. We we're like, wow, we know what we're doing. The clients pretty much made us start an agency. They were just like, who do we owe money to? Like who's on the check? Like how do you end blah 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 blah. So we were like, all right, like you know, let's just start an agency. And we made a list of uh song names for metal bands we liked. <laughs> Uh, an electric guy stood out by Judas Priest, and that's how the agency was born almost five or six years ago now. But yeah, five or six years, wow! Yeah, it's, okay. it's, been, a, it's been a wild ride. Wow, that is that is really awesome. When you were scaling your agency, you mentioned that you've been working with your partner for a while back then. But when did you decide it was like, okay, this is like time for us to hire our first, like maybe contractor or employee? You know, who was the first person you decided to hire to help you out with the agency? Yeah, like most young agencies. It was just me and him, and we had like a core group of skills, but people were asking for things that we didn't do. So we were always hiring contractors. And uh, for the longest time, we had um, a contractor team in India helping us with the web development. Uh, I, I guarantee that most agencies out there kind of say the same thing. You know, they, they just found a team that they liked, they partnered with, uh, and they helped with the heavy lifting. You know, the people on this side of the pond were kind of the face of the company dealing with the client relationships and the strategy. Now we did that for a while, you know, and that was contracted through Upwork, but you know, there's a lot of downsides to that type of relationship. One is like they're amazing contractors. Like we found a great team. They did solid work. It was the language barrier was difficult. It took longer to explain what things, you know, we were looking to get done for our clients. That kind of sucked. Time difference, we didn't realize how much the time difference really like screwed things up. Like so they would essentially stop in the middle of the night when they hit a roadblock that they didn't have an answer to and that would happen all throughout the project, almost doubling timelines on projects. Like things were just taking way too long because they didn't have a direct line of communication to somebody to get a question answered very fast. And, you know, there's the other thing of is like, if you're using a contractor, like you're not their only client. They're not beholden to you. You know, they've got eight other clients, probably 10, who knows? And so they're juggling you alongside you juggling your clients. So they're, you know, you probably don't have as much of a priority to them on your project as you think your project has to them. So that's something you like always need to be aware of. So, you know, that was just as far as like contractors hiring go, you know, that was like the first kind of foray into that when we realized, you know, hmm, you know, that doesn't really work that well. On the flip side of things, you know, another like first would be the first hire we brought to the team, like from like on the state side, like join the team. That was actually someone that also came from my business partner's old company. Our first hire. We had this giant migration project, uh, probably in the first year of business. I mean, we were doing all this data manipulation back when we didn't know how to do it with spreadsheets and like didn't have all these tricks that we do now. But like back then, it was some of it was like we're just gonna do some of this by hand, ten thousand lines. This is fun. <laughs> I hired Andy to help out. Jobs had to be done. Like we had this thing, it had to get done. Can you help me? So he kind of like joined and did that. And then you know, as things were coming up, we'd be like, hey, Andy, like here's this thing. Do you want to learn how it works and just like want to do this for us for for the time being? So like quickly, we brought Andy up to like the level of education that we had about the Shopify ecosystem, about how these apps integrate with each other, how they don't like each other in certain instances, like what power and what the power of Shopify is, like what can be happen, what can't happen, why limitations, like. So he quickly hit our level and then like, you know, beyond us, he is 
currently now he's our, our project manager, our longest client. He's still around. And that guy knows more about like Clavio and Recharge than people that work there. He is a sharp guy. He's an amazing asset to the team. Like he was hired originally just kind of as like, there isn't really a name for this position in the agency world. Some people call it like a producer or a strategist. And it's just the guy that gets shit done. Like that was his. Okay. I like that. Guy that gets shit done. Okay. That's a good role. Yeah. You know, but you can't write that in your signature. Some people might not like it. But Andy was great at that. I taught him Facebook ads and he does them better than me now. Like he was a great asset. But with hiring Andy, there was an immediate shift in our business for the better because he was taking everything off my plate production wise so I could f- focus on business development and sales. Like when that shift happened, our business changed. What's funny is since then, I've read a lot. I've educated myself. I read, I'm, I'm sure all of your listeners probably get hit up. There's like a guy, he's like selling some like $7.95 book, but it's like free shipping and you get my book. I read all of those books. I ignore all the follow-up ads, but I read all of those garbage books. Some of them are decent. Some are trash. This one guy can't, I don't know why he's a book he couldn't write. I'm not going to name names here, but I, I read a lot, especially if it's about agency, especially if it's about sales. I read all that junk. And what I've learned from kind of all this education that I've done is the first hire you should make as a project manager, we did it on accident. So we just lucked out. Uh-huh. Nice. So you already got it right from the first get-go. That was when the major shift happened. That's what you mentioned. Just kind of diving back there a little bit very quickly to before Andy, and you mentioned that you're working with uh, contractors before. Do you think that now, like with the whole idea of remote work, you know, with the whole idea of working with remote companies and teams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera and we have a lot of tools in the market now that allow for that kind of asynchronous kind of like, you know, teamwork or like, you know, just being real time. Do you think that there could have been a better way to work with contractors? Like there could have been a better way to do it. And do you think that that could have affected production? Like maybe things could be better now in this case. Like, So let me answer the question you didn't ask is, why didn't it work? I'll tell you why it didn't work. It's because we didn't have someone on our team that owned the technical elements of what we do. We didn't have a lead dev. Now we have a lead dev. He's a sicko. He like he just we throw the scariest things at him. And he's like, yeah, that makes sense. Essentially, like if you have on your team someone that understands the technology requirements and can essentially architect what needs to be done, then you can like outsource, you know, the senior development or the junior. Like you can outsource those pieces to whoever you want. In a different time zone, in the same time zone, uh, you know, a different country across, it doesn't matter. But once you have someone that understands how that technology limitation works and like what it should look like from a production standpoint, we didn't have that like internally. So we were kind of just like giving over more than we should have to these teams, like out of just respect for them, like respecting us, like that they're going to get it done and be honest with us. Nowadays, like if we did want to, you know, outsource any piece of the puzzle, we, could and would do it. But I think just from the time zone things where sometimes it's just like a slack ping away, like, hey, blah, 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 what's this? And then that could have been a stopping point if it was overnight and someone was asleep. But you know, if it's in the same time zone, you know, someone can get it done. So uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Let's get into the meat of this. We were talking about how, you know, just before I just started the show, if you share with how you got started and kind of like some of the game changers that have occurred along the way in the beginning part of your agency journey. Now, you know, what was the next step for you? How did you scale your company? How did you scale your agency? You know, knowing that it's relatively competitive now, and I think even more so than before, how did you do it? What were the steps? I'm very sure our listeners are dying to know what you did that, that you really liked and that really helped this. Yeah. All right. So the first step that we did, which is like gonna sound like a no-brainer to some people that like get it, and then to other people, they're gonna be like, "Wow, that that, that makes a lot of sense." <laughs> Me and Sean 
like would be responsible for the same things. Like me and my business partner way back when we both would be responsible for something, which nowadays is like the ultimate like no-no in our business. Two people cannot be responsible for one thing. If two people are on a base camp task, it's a rarity. And it's more like a review type situation than like an actual to-do. Like if two people are responsible for doing something, they're going to assume the other person is doing it and it's never going to get done. So, you know, it's essentially talking about the, the birth of swim lanes within your business. You need to have a job, a role, and like a list of what you do. And if it's not on that list, you do not do it. That is extremely important. It needs to be very clear. Process needs to make sense. So establishing swim lanes and establishing ownership of tasks, especially the tasks that are directly driven to either the production of the work product for your clients or uh, sales, for instance, those need to be very specific ownership. So that right there was like one of the, the keynotes that like the keystones that got our business really going. I don't even think I used either of those words right now that I think about it, keynote or keystone, but that doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you use a word with so much conviction, someone might just look over it. All right. So... There was that. I feel like that was a really important thing that happened. Second, this was actually a uh, piece of advice from a mentor here in Columbus. He asked me one day, he's like, hey, how much of your time is spent on business development, You know, like marketing the business and sales for the business? And I was like, ah, probably like 30% of my time. And he's like, do you guys have like salesmen or anything like that? And I was like, nope. He's like, all right, well, if you guys don't flip that number, you're going to go out of business and you're going to not have an agency anymore. And I was like, whoa, what do you mean? He's like, the most important thing to your business is the opportunities, is the lifeblood keeping the pipeline going. You need to get everything off your plate that isn't, you know, strategic to you guys growing the business. Like, you need to have someone at your company that's focused on business development. You're too young of a company. You can't afford a senior level salesperson. You're going to have to do it yourself. No one's going to sell your product more than you as like an agency owner. You love what you do. You love the results you get for your clients. You need to get everything off your plate except sales and marketing. We took that to heart. You know, For anyone listening that's a single founder, you need to get everything off your plate, including production, and focus on sales and marketing. That is going to be what changes your business. I love that. That is so true. That is so true. Because I think like one of the tendencies that a lot of founders do, especially in the early stages, is that you, know, you think you can do everything. There's only a, a finite number of hours you have in the day to actually accomplish everything. It's just like, how do you move the needle? How do you decide what to, to delegate, what to let go and just focus on growth, isn't it? It's, I mean, everything. Like, It's honestly like, at this point, I pretty much am only doing sales and marketing for the agency. Everything else is delegated. Very cool. And so, you know, when, when we talk about growth, like obviously there are a lot of different, I guess a lot of different markets for you to target. You know, How did you decide what to focus on for Electric Eye? That's a great question. That kind of goes back to like the accidental like happenstance that started the agency is we were finding all this initial success with Facebook ads for Shopify stores. And we kind of had the idea of niching down already from this previous efforts of what I had done uh, in my past. And so we were like, well, we already have a dozen clients on Shopify doing, you know, doing this thing. It's like, let's just say we're only doing e-commerce businesses. So that's like when we launched Electric Eye, we were e-commerce focused. That's all we were doing from the get-go. And then we actually quickly just went to Shopify only. Probably within a year, we were just like, we saw Magento, we saw WordPress. We were like, these things suck. And we just, we just went over to we're like, we're Shopify only. So that was like kind of the kind of the niche that we we fell into, which is, you know, for e-commerce, it's like not a crazy niche. But now we're getting kind of more and more kind of hunkered down into into like what our ideal client avatar is. You know, it's it's more brands that have already found product market fit. We don't really work with startups anymore. We don't work with B two B companies trying to like you know put a square peg in a round hole using the platform to do something it's not supposed to do. You know, we're pretty much only working with lifestyle brands that are like scaling through either 
Google advertising or Facebook advertising. Like those, that's kind of like where you kind of we find who we who we work with. And it's been fun to go up market with the brands that we work with as we grow. I guess that's something I'll just shout out to everyone that like if you're in a younger agency and you guys aren't, you know, four or five, like we're just a few years ahead of you. You'll get to where I'm at. And it's honestly a lot of this referral stuff and these bigger things come with just keep doing it and getting your name out there through, which will be the next thing I talk about, which is content marketing. We'd like just dove in two over two years ago, we just dove in headfirst with content marketing. We were like, we are going to produce content. Uh, we know it's a slow play. We know it is a long-term play, but we're going to do content marketing. That's what we're going to do. So that started with doing videos on YouTube, which I still do. It started with like doing a lot of blog writing, which I don't actually write those anymore. I have a ghostwriter. Surprise. And then <laughs> I do the podcast, which I still do because I love the podcast. The podcast is really fun. You know, everyone has a podcast these days, but it's like it's a secret weapon. You know, I was telling GQ before this, if I, I like I'm making like a dream 50. If you don't know what the Dream 100 is or the Dream 50 is, go read The Ultimate Sales Machine. But I'm making a list with my team. I asked everyone on my team. I was like, what are your favorite e-commerce brands? I'm going to get them on the podcast. And that's what I'm going to do in the next couple of weeks. And you know, how's this weird strategy going to work? Well, you know, I'm just going to ask to interview them. I'm going to leave with value. Here's a free backlink. Here's a cool like little snippet you guys can share. That's going to be what we do. It's going to get my name in like someone's head about e-commerce. And like that's the first step. You know what I mean? And maybe eventually we'll work with one of them or two of them or all of them. Who knows? Very cool. I like that very, very much. And I think like one of the key things as well, like aside from that, is that once you get people in, and I think that as an agency, because even even for us when we're when we're running LTV Plus here, a lot of it is through partnerships that you know that we grow the business, that we work with people that already trust us. And I think that's such such a huge game. Well, I'm not sure if it's a game changer, but I think that's like one of the key things. And so like for for you at Electric Eye, how did you focus on nurturing your partnerships? Like, is that a key focus that you have in your agency? Is that just like a natural byproduct of your content marketing? And how did you do that? That's a great question. Byproduct of niching down and becoming such just students of our ecosystem and understanding what exists to solve problems within our Shopify ecosystem, the apps that integrate with Shopify, what integrates, you know, what technologies integrate with Shopify. Through that, we have identified some of the industry leaders. I mean, we used to go to conferences all the time. And just meet people from apps. We, you know, do apps demos. Like it's honestly, it's time consuming. Meeting all these people, learning what their product does, what the use case is for what it solves. But we've done it, and you know, meeting all these people and learning what their app does. Like I, we always go into it of like, you know, hey, we're not going to sell your app to our clients. But if there is a client where this app checks all the boxes, like you're obviously going to be top of mind. Our goal with partnerships is actually content marketing. So. Back when shit hit the fan with the pandemic a few months back, I doubled down on content marketing and I launched a, this unprepared series where I was just like, I reached out to all of our partners. I was like, hey, let's do some co-marketing together. 10 minutes on whatever you want to talk about. Let's do it. And we've been doing that. And you know, making co-marketing with your partners is like the easiest thing to do because it gets both your names out there. There's this idea of your surface luck area. When you talk about with content marketing, it's just like putting more out there. There are more chances that someone is going to see you at the right time when they're thinking about someone that does what you do. I love that. You know, I've seen some really interesting concepts, especially with partnerships where, you know, aside from the unprepared video series, I think we talked about that actually as well, like a few weeks or a few months ago. Recently, there was a, I think I can't remember which agency it was, but I did see where some agencies would run like webinar series, like for the entire month. I'm not sure, like, you know, like, have you tried that method of like, I guess, like co-marketing before? And what do you think about that? You know, in terms of running webinar series for, you know, for X number of days or months. 
Yeah, no, I've done some webinar series with our uh, partners and it's more like a webinar. But yeah, like we just co-promote it to both of our lists about a topic that kind of makes sense for the listeners or, or the readers. I mean, in e-commerce, it's pretty easy. It's just like anything that can help someone make more sales or increase their conversion rate or get more traffic. Like there's just a few KPIs that people are hungry to get more information about. But yeah, you know, it, that's a what doing like webinars or, you know, when the world is in a better place, doing like meetups together. Yeah, just co-marketing... At the end of the day, like if you're an agency and you like haven't thought about the partnership route yet, it's like, you know, what apps are you using all the time to solve your clients' problems? Like partner with those people. I'm sure that the apps always have a partnership program. And just be like, hey, do you like want to do a webinar together or something else? And they'll probably say yes, because their partnership team is always looking for opportunities like that as well. And then it just gets your company in front of their audience and their app in front of your audience. And it's a win-win for everybody. Very cool. And you know, something that you brought out that was really interesting. So we talked about a pandemic and that topic never, ever escapes uh, any of the podcast interviews. But we've seen how things have changed. Like, you know, people can't go to conferences anymore, for, at least for the near term. I'm not sure when that will get lifted. But what have you seen that's kind of working for agencies or, or at least businesses that are relatively reliant on like conference meetups, right? Like, do you see virtual conferences working? Do you see virtual networking events working? Because I haven't really gone to much of those, and I do know that some of the like like some of the key expos or events are now online, but it's mainly centered around speakers versus like an actual networking session. So I'm not sure if you well, you've seen anything that's trending right now that's actually working well. I've seen a lot of virtual conferences pop up. I've seen a lot of virtual meetups or or, or webinars. Like there are way more now than there ever were, and I don't know if they're working very well because there's an oversaturation of it. Right? I think for anyone that has an agency. They need to take a step back and realize like the numbers that are actually needed to change their business. And it's not usually hundreds. It's usually like tens, maybe like a dozen. Like how much would your business change if you had four more clients? You know what I mean? And for four more clients, it's not like I need to write a blog post a hundred times and, and like get it. No, it's like you just need to sell four more things. It's it's sales. Like go out there and sell something. Get a little bit out of your comfort zone and sell some stuff. Reach out to people you've never talked to before. Lead with value. But it's just like, you just got to sell some stuff at the end of the day. Reach out to people that used to work with you. See if they still need help. Reach out to people that have turned you down and ask why and see if they still need help. Have some uncomfortable conversations. Like it really, to change your business as an agency, you only need a couple more clients. I like that. That definitely makes a lot of sense. Because I think like everyone's always like very focused on like the big picture and just like, oh, you know, how do I get to those numbers? But then I actually just put it down just reverse, reverse it, reverse engineer and just find out how many more clients you need. And then you can hit your targets pretty much. It's like in our world, like in the agency world, it's like you can't work with 400 clients at a time. That's impossible. You've got a small team. Like you're probably working with five or six or 10. And if you doubled that, your business would be insane. But like doubling, it's only like five or, or 10 more clients. You know what I mean? So go have those many conversations and just get it done. I love it. Thank you, Chase. That was really, really useful. Thank you. I have just two more questions before we round off the interview. And that is my favorite question. Number one is, as an entrepreneur, is there an, like a personal mission that you live by? Like maybe something, you know, because I know like some entrepreneurs have their own personal mission statement, you know, et cetera, because you have your own vision, mission, and values with your business. Do you have something like that for yourself? That's a great question. I guess it'd be like a blend of like do good work and do honest work. I only like to work with people where like I agree with what they're doing and like anytime it looks like a cash grab for anybody I'm not really into it and it's just like uh, luckily we're at the point where we can kind of choose our clients so it's just like working with fun people cool people 
it's still work, but it's just like, you, it's like dating. Like I only want to work with people that I enjoy spending time with. Like I don't want it to be a grind and it to just suck to go to work and like do this cool project. Like even if it was the coolest project in the world, if it was like with someone that wasn't fun, one, I'm not doing it. I don't want to put that on my team either. Like that's not going to help morale. Uh, so it's like just do fun work with honest people that are cool. I don't know, some, something like that. I like that. That's simple enough. I think that works. Very cool. One final one. I think you've already mentioned that, that you've consumed a lot of content <laughs> around agencies. So let's say if you had to pick just one book to help an agency owner today, what would you recommend as a resource? I'll give three books, okay? Because this is a great question. Okay, so this is the book is how we run our business from an operations standpoint. It's Traction by Gino Wickman. We operate on the Traction model. I know LTV does as well. Ours is a little more simplified. You know, We only have a 12-person team. So Traction by Gino Wickman, that's how you run the business. That's how you understand what's important. Then we also follow Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. That is our financial model. Other than like how we bill and how we charge for projects, go figure that out on your own. Know your value. Here's a bonus book uh, for value. The Value-Based Fees by Alan Weiss. That one's amazing to learn the value of how you're selling your stuff. Another one is Pricing Creativity. Oh, man, I can see his face. I, I listened to him speak the other day. Now I just have too many books rambling around my brain. By Blair Inns. That one's good. And then going back to kind of just the sales side of things, the two that kind of like uh, helped me get started with doing like our newsletter and doing like content and all that jazz was uh, The Ultimate Sales Machine. We talked about that earlier. That's a fantastic book. And actually, Russell Brunson's uh, .com Secrets kind of outlines just like how the marketing funnel works for digital. So that one was really cool to kind of like wrap your head around. And then finally... For agency owners in general, this is probably like one of the coolest books to read. It's called Built to Sell. And it's literally about an agency owner and it's his journey. It's written as like an allegory, which is a story. It's like written as his journey, him and his, this mentor telling him things to do to like scale his business and like systemize his business to a point where he can sell it. So that book was really cool. I'd start with that one. That one's really cool. Built to Sell. Got it. All right. Well, Chase, this has been an awesome interview. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm pretty sure there's like a lot... Well, a ton of nuggets of information inside this interview. So I'll just let the listeners uh, figure out what they can sift out of this entire thing. But thanks for your time uh, for coming on the show, Chase. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast letting me uh, rant about all the fun stuff we've been doing. <laughs> well, hey, it's useful. So that's the whole point of How We Solve, right? So Exactly. All right, cool. Well, thanks for your time, Chase. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning into the How We Solve podcast. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step -step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.